Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I'm so excited to be discussing women, legacy and estate planning. As we may know women hold up half the sky and they are becoming more and more involved in everything that is going on especially in family businesses where we didn't see them at the forefront before we are now seeing them being engaged at the forefront and also making decisions and influencing decisions in more visible ways and today to discuss this and unpack the role that women play in the in the different conversations that are happening behind the scenes as well as in the front lines I have with me Patricia Anino welcome Patricia very nice to be here thank you for having me And I would like to ask you to just introduce yourself to my audience so that they have a brief background and understanding of who you are and the amazing work that you've been doing, especially in spaces of helping women. My name is Patricia Anino. I'm an attorney based in Boston, Massachusetts. I work with high net worth families, ultra high net worth families, with family businesses, and a particular emphasis on helping women. Brilliant. And so looking at women, legacy and estate planning, as I said, um, when I was introducing the topic, we've seen so many times women being left out in wills, being left out um, in the legacy building conversation. But then this is, as we see it, it's in the forefront of the conversation, in the visible forefront. But there's many times that women have participated and influenced what goes on within the legacy building and the state planning and the running of businesses. What has been your experience and what have you seen a shift recently compared to what has happened in the past? What I've seen is a definite shift toward all women understanding that they have power. All women are born powerful. And once a woman knows that, she can't unknow that. And once you know that, and you know with that power becomes a responsibility for you to figure out a way to get involved and engaged in making your plan work. Because the reality is if something happens to anyone that you emotionally or financially depend upon, it becomes your problem. So it's much better to deal with it before there is an issue or a problem and get involved. And I think women are becoming increasingly aware that the power and responsibility lies with them to step up, pick up the keys to the kingdom and get into the story. Because it's only when you start to take responsibility and ask the questions that you can have a meaningful impact on the outcome that will significantly affect you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. And we do know that, like, like you said, with women, we have to be more conscious about how are we involved in the conversation that impacts those people that we love. But as we know, with women, we play different roles. Sometimes we could be a parent, sometimes we could be a child, sometimes we could be a spouse. How can we, as women, be intentional when we feel sometimes, or when we feel family members are not allowing us to engage? 
Well, first we have to ask ourselves, is the family member not allowing us to engage or we, have we not asked to be engaged? Because you can assume that somebody doesn't want you to be engaged, but unless you've asked to be engaged, that's just your own assumption. I'm gonna tell you a story that I saw happen a year ago. So a man here who's a very successful car dealer asked me to come to a meeting to do an estate plan for him. And he would never do an estate plan. So I said, well, let's do a disaster plan. So I went into his office and he was there surrounded by his team of advisors who were all men. Now he's happily married to a wonderful woman who has, and he has three daughters. I said, well, who's going to be in charge? And he said, well, tell me the pros and cons. And I went through the whole thing. And he said, well, you know, it should be my wife. And I said, let's end this meeting and start again with her. And it's too easy to blame him in that situation because the reality in that morning, I said, did your wife know where you were going today? He said, yes, she knew I was going to go meet with you. I said, well, it's really her fault because she didn't understand that the whole meeting about disaster planning involved her. So it wasn't that he was excluding her. It's just that neither one of them focused on that, including her. And so part of the education, which leads to empowerment, leads to action, is to understand you are responsible for the planning for the family because you are the one who's going to be left with the pieces. So you have to figure out how to get in that room. And sometimes there's an intentional block, but more often than not, I've seen the kind of story that I just told you, whereas a man will do the planning thinking he's doing the right thing and thinking it's about him and not understanding it's not about him because if something happens to him, he's not in the story anymore. So women have to understand that not only do they have the power, they have the responsibility to plan for their own legacy. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And what do you believe is one of the things that hold back women, especially with taking the forefront role? I know that we've seen that women do influence the homes and relationships in many ways. And at times they've been called the chief emotional officer. But what is really important for them, especially when it comes to um, legalities and or when it comes to things that really need to be accounted for, take put down in writing and actually be solidified as opposed to um, just being verbal or just being um, insinuations. Um, what's really important for women to, to start learning and start applying? Education. First, you have to be educated, then you're empowered, then you act. So you have to listen to your other podcasts, read books, become more aware, start to ask questions, formulate and understand what the problem is on your own. Figure it out and then figure out how to make it happen. All women are powerful and not all women know they're powerful. And so one of the things you have to do is claim your own power, understand mm -hmm. that you are powerful, know that you're powerful, Know that whatever happens in a disaster is going to adversely impact you and those that are left behind and claim responsibility. But that's um, an esoteric exercise if you're not educated as to the questions that you need to ask to, to understand how to, to take that power and turn it into action. And, mm. and one thing I've learned along the way, it's not like men, it's, it's not anti-men. I mean, men think for the most part, that they are doing the right thing. They're, they're not evil, you know? So it's, it's, it's nobody, I, I've been doing this for 35 years. Nobody really thinks they're going to die. <laughs> and so nobody takes this planning as seriously as perhaps they should. 
And life is not a snapshot. It's a movie with sequels. So you should think about how you're putting your plan in place now and look as far ahead of the crystal ball as you can, which is probably not more than five years, and just put the best plan in place when you can. And ask your partner, your father, your husband, your spouse, your significant other, what what you know what would happen and just start a conversation going mm, mm. and i think that that's so important get a conversation going however i think you've seen um and you've interacted with different people from different cultures what happens when culture plays a role in how women interact within the family um, and we've seen there are some cultures out there that seem a bit stringent on women and their ability to, to have a voice in, especially in what they, they deem is too technical. Is it because, or would you believe it's because they feel it's, it's too much pressure for women and therefore it's essential for women to, to start showing and, um, and, and questioning, not in a negative way, but in, in terms of uh, being inquisitive about how can we also um, be proactive in safeguarding what has been built by other family members and loved ones? I think it's changing. I'm dealing with a Muslim family right now from Morocco, for example. Uh-huh. And they're all daughters and they cannot inherit assets from their father. He can get under under the, the Muslim Moroccan law, he can give it to them during their lifetime, but at his death, the law seeks male heirs. So in some cultures, there is a, an inherent bias in the legal system itself that cannot be overcome by anybody's intent. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very creative to kind of figure out how to do that. So there are impediments somewhere. But what I've noticed in the work that I've been doing with this family is that the family has evolved and are finding ways to give the stock in the family business to the daughters now. And I don't think that could have happened 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago. So the time, you know, it's open communication. It's understanding that the world is changing. As you said, women hold up half the sky, but everybody knows that now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's more acceptable. It might not be as acceptable as it is in the United States, but it's more acceptable in every culture. For women to own and control assets and it is still evolutionary so you take the process as far as you can take it for now drop it and then come back to it because planning is continuous another mistake a lot of people make is they think oh i did my plan and i'm done well you're never done the world changes the law changes the family changes the business changes it evolves mm-hmm. so do what you can to improve where you are and don't give up Mm-hmm. And that, and that is that makes so much sense. And I love the example that you've given because sometimes I think we have um, a proverb in um, my my language in my native language where we say sometimes we hide we try to hide behind a finger, um, which is pretty useless. But we try to hide behind a finger when uh, the truth is staring in front of us, and we have to take ownership of the fact that we cannot hide forever and. We have to be proactive as, as opposed to reactive. Is that correct? That's right. And so with some of the work that you've done, especially in legacy building um, or helping families build legacies, what do you think are some of the biggest stumbling blocks that 
people have faced, um, especially in, in, in the face of um, seeing female inheritors or female members of the business um, stepping up. And I, I know not everybody will, will cheer on um, female leaders. It's, um, it's one of those things where you will have family members who will say, but she's a girl or she's a woman. Why can't you choose a, a male uh, a, or a male successor? Um, what are the challenges or the pre, um, prejudices that you've, uh, you've seen people encounter and how have they overcome them? So first, I, I, my, the thing I'd like to say is everybody has a legacy. Mm-hmm. People think of legacy as something down the road, but we all have a legacy now. We're all perceived in a certain way. People look at us, judge us. They look at what we stand for currently. So the legacy exists. The, the second thing is I am going to say it differently. I think that the woman cannot control the world. She can only control herself. And the deeper and she claims her own power, the less less likely anybody is to try to take it away from her. And so when a woman asks permission to be powerful and doesn't understand she's already powerful, she'll never get there. She has to claim it, figure out what she wants and open up a dialogue about it. And there's a psychological concept called planned rejection, where you bring something up the first time knowing it's going to get rejected but that you got 10% of somebody's mind space and mm. understand it's gonna be, you're gonna be rejected. And a lot of women take rejection personally in a way that men don't. And so when you bring it up the first time and you get rejected, a woman, not a man, but a woman might retreat and never bring it up again and not understand that that's okay. I knew I was gonna get rejected. I knew I wasn't gonna become CEO. I knew my father brother wasn't gonna do that this time, but, I, but I'm gonna try again. Mm-hmm. And I've already entered into the conversation and that was a win. And so how I get to the next point is a chess game. And my rejection was part of my power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got it. That, that, that is powerful. That is powerful because taking the victim mentality and, um, and allowing sometimes somebody blocking you or somebody telling you you're not good enough can be something that can take away your ability to function as well as your ability to, to overcome the situation that you're already facing. What are your thoughts around um, conflicts? Conflicts that um, especially can, I, and I, I believe um, from, from my experience, so being a third generation family business member, I have seen um, sadly, um, on my paternal side, my, my uncle, who was the oldest son in my father's family, go into the family business after my, my, my grandfather died and literally just take away everything from my grandmother and his siblings. And that conflict continued on. And it, it, it's within that conflict and that um, inability to, to collaborate that then eventually caused the family business to, to fall apart. They didn't identify the best person to, to help grow or take the, the, the dynasty or the legacy to the next level. It was just um, past, it was just a sudden death that happened. The oldest son takes over. The mother wasn't given um, any, any, any say in it. What do you, how do you, how best do you think women and even male members of the family 
can handle conflict in a way that doesn't always have to escalate to then um, getting into legal wrangles that can take forever and at the end of the day, then destroy all the work that has been made. Okay, facilitators can be very helpful. If okay. you have a good family business consultant, that's a good way to deal with it. Mm -hmm. The problem is that I've seen a lot of women uh, shy away from conflict and then passively aggressively, it gets worse. Whereas you see men take the problem head on and try to deal with it. Women don't always do that. And okay. it, open communication, open and constant communication, not letting it fester to the point where it's going to explode, but being powerful and clear in simple communication language. And sometimes it's important to just have an outside facilitator, an arbitrator or a trusted consultant come in so it's not so personal also matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when choosing the right facilitator, I mean, um, I've, I've seen families sometimes think that one size fits all and um, they probably will go to um, someone who is a lawyer and expect them to be a therapist as well as expect them to uh, be a mediator and everything in between. When in actual fact, it, it, it takes a team to be able to resolve some of the issues and different expertise. So when you have the right expertise coming in at the right time, it becomes easier to navigate some of the issues that may or may not come up. What do you think is the best advice that you would give to families, especially from um, a from a perspective of someone who's worked extensively within a field where you probably have to work with other team members to get it right. Um, what advice would you give them to say, when you're looking for the right people, what do you need to look out for? And um, one, si one size does not fit all. Yes, and it's a very personal relationship and it may or may not work. And so it takes some time. I've seen families go through two or three consultants before they find the right one. And I think that's okay because it is such a combination of technical skills and ability to communicate on a personal level that matters. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think it is, um, and, and what really happens is in conflict, people will consider one person to, to be biased. You know, if you, if you're the daughter and you bring the advisor in, then they'll think, oh, the daughter's not going to be fair to me because she, who I have a conflict with, introduced it, the person. Mm -hmm. So if the, if the consultant can come in through a trusted other advisor, that's helpful. Sometimes there's one trusted advisor for the family who should play a key part. But mm -hmm. it's okay to test it. And if it doesn't work, rather than just stopping the process, going and finding a different consultant can be very important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense because um, I think the process of itself of estate planning, like you said, um, it's death is something that happens to us or whether we're expecting it or not, starting it early on, having these conversations early on is, is critical. Um, how young or um, what are the appropriate ages are there uh, are, are there for, for example, myself, I have a young family. Um, when is the best time to start engaging my children in discussing issues of estate? And um, how much at what age is appropriate? If there's an active ongoing business, then they're already exposed to it. They already know on an ongoing basis sort of what's happening, that's kitchen table conversation at dinner at night, right? 
Mm -hmm. So it's important to think about, depending on the size of the company, how it's organized, and to mm -hmm. understand John Davis's three-circle model, that there are decisions that happen in the family, there are decisions that happen in the business, there are decisions that happen in the owner, in the owner circle. And sometimes they overlap and sometimes they, they don't. So I think it's important to start the education process early, but go through two different sort of realms. Um, what When you're talking at the table about what's happening at business, are you talking as a business owner or are you talking as a family member? Because if nobody's, if not everybody's going to end up working and owning in the company, then it's important that they understand what perspective they're coming from when they start to engage. And I think having early uh, discussions about that is very helpful. Mm, mm, mm. So whether or not someone's working hard enough in the company is a company decision. It's not a family matter. Understood. Understood. And when you're looking at from a personal point of view, I mean, estate sometimes, yes, a lot of times, especially when you have the big, um, big wealthy families, big businesses and so forth, it becomes very technical. But from a personal point of view, how do you start nurturing your next gens um, to, to understand the intricacies of why it's important to have these discussions as well as in to prepare them? Because you're not only preparing them for, for, for your own estate, but for their estate, because they are going to become inheritors and they are going to build their own legacies and, and their own wealth. And they're going to carry on as stewards of the, of, of the wealth that's already being built. What, what are the important conversations that you've, you've seen that sometimes people shy away from when talking to next gens? Uh, one of them that I've heard is uh, the issue of how much is uh, the estate valued at? Right. And there's a pro and a con to knowing about the dollar value of something as opposed mm -hmm. to how, how the operation works. Okay. And so having formal meetings to address these issues, a lot of people start to include people at, at, at young teenage years, not really before that, but mm -hmm. in 12 to 13 and start to have a structured program, maybe twice a year, where you actually explain what's going on in the company, why it's happening, what's working, what isn't working, what the goals are and they start to get acclimated that way. Not necessarily what the net worth is or what the dollars are, but the process. Mm, mm, mm. And that makes sense. And, and I think um, why I mentioned the dollar value is because um, wealth has, I don't know, in, in so many communities and so many families, it's almost like a taboo subject where inheritors end up finding out how much um, their, their inheritance is actually is and it becomes a shock to the system it becomes something they were unprepared for it becomes something that they're un unwilling to even take on and so when it comes to estate planning I think um, from personal experience um, from losing my own parent it would have been easier if we had had these discussions it would have been easier if I had been sensitized and it would have also been easier especially as a female inheritor um, if, if I had had that relationship where we discussed more than just money, but we discussed anything at all. Yes. Not just money, it's also responsibility. Uh -huh. So making sure everybody understands not only the financial components of it, but the responsibility that goes along with it is very important. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Patricia, for joining me today and for giving us insight into the importance of the role of women, the importance of the role of um, the discussions that should be had around legacy planning as well as estate planning. What are your final words of wisdom that you'd like to share with my audience in terms of what do you think is the, 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 the starter step? How do we get started if we're starting? And if they're already uh, far along the line, how do they do the checks and balances? The most important thing is to educate yourself, read as much as you can, talk to as many people as you can, and claim your own power. Mm -hmm. Understand your power, claim it, educate yourself so you can then act in what way is in your own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, women spend women spend all of their time worrying about everybody else and they forget what the flight attendant says every time you get on the plane when the oxygen mask falls from the sky put it over your own face first it's only when you protect yourself that you can protect everyone else so claim your power protect yourself and then you will instinctively protect everybody else absolutely absolutely well, thank you so, so much. And then as a follow-up, if people want to um, engage in finding out more about what you're doing or tap into some of the wisdom that you've been sharing on other platforms or your own platforms, how do they do that? They can email me. Okay. We will add the email into the show notes and allow you to be able to reach out to Patricia. Otherwise, thank you so much, Patricia, for your time today. Thank you.